Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to Two Footed Podcast. Today is Friday, October 15th. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor is Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider that's a virtual privacy network. allows you to go online, change location, access things you're geo-blocked from while also keeping your data safe. Check out LibertyShield.com and use the code EPLVPN to get 20% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check at homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops on Etsy. Right, folks, apologies for the late podcast today. It is now 4.24 in the afternoon. This podcast would normally be released to you 24 minutes ago, but life gets in the way sometimes. Um, So uh, let's jump straight in. No Drinkle joining us today. Gus had his moment in the sun on uh, a tad predictable. So it's just me seizing control of the Friday show. Uh, We're going to run quickly through the press conferences from today and see what's been said. So Jurgen Klopp has made a bunch of statements. One, with regards to Newcastle, the discussion of a new super club. Talks about how they'll make mistakes in the early days, but eventually... They will get things right. He spoke about his displeasure, distaste for how certain federations have handled things uh, in terms of the international break, how Curtis Jones had an injury, then got played in a game and is now injured again. Um, About Alison Becker traveling all the way to Brazil and then not playing in the game on Thursday rather than being allowed to return early. So he will miss out on the Watford game for Liverpool as well Fabinho. He spoke about Watford's managerial change. He said, it is harsh how Watford deal with managers. How can you be surprised when they make a change? You learn the name of a new colleague and then they are replaced. I don't like this. Claudio's arrival makes things difficult, but we have to play our game. He spoke about Joe Gomez. Uh, He seemed a little bit put out that Joe wasn't included in the England squad. And he said that Southgate's argument that he doesn't pick players who aren't playing first choice for their club level, carries no real water because John Stones was picked in the England squad. And if he went up and down the England squad, he wasn't the only one that was included uh, who's not playing regularly. Now, Klopp did make the bizarre statement that Liverpool have five exceptional centre-backs. They have four. Nat Phillips is not exceptional, Jürgen, and we all know that, hence you tried to sell him in the summer. Um, Moving on. Next up on the chatting blocks, we have Dean Smith, uh, who said that Wolves have deserved more from the season so far. He has been impressed with how they played and says that he thinks they'll they'll do well. Um, he spoke out in defense of Steve Bruce as well, which I thought was good to see. I think Bruce has been a little bit left on an island by other managers, not really given any public support. Now look, I think he should be dismissed from his position because I don't think he's good enough, but the way he's been treated has been wrong. There's absolutely no question about that. Bruce spoke about his, Bruce himself rather spoke about his 1000 game. Uh, He said he played 950 times, won everything there is to win domestically. So it's not about me. He says he has had no talks yet with the new ownership and he is just in a kind of wait-and-see 
holding pattern. Now, that's a little bit harsher. That's a little bit unfortunate. You, you would like to see the owners be a little bit more transparent than you owners. At least speak to the man and let him know where he stands. If, if it's a thing that, you know, we may make changes, but for now you're the guy, at least tell him that. Uh, Rafa Benitez has spoken out and said that he has a great relationship with the fans of Newcastle, but that he is really happy at Everton and focused and he wishes Newcastle all the best. He's also spoken about Luca Dina being fit to play this weekend. Uh, Yeri Mina is following the protocol, but everything is positive. Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin will miss out this weekend. So that is a big blow, obviously, for Everton. Um, moving on then. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer says that Raphael Varane has been ruled out for a few weeks. Um, but Victor and Eric will play and get game time. Uh, Fred and Edison Cavani played while they were away and Marcus Rashford is in the squad. I can't tell you if he will start, but he has worked really hard. Has been bright this week. Fit and raring to go is young Rashford, uh, creating even more of a logjam in the left wing position where we now have Pogba, Sancho and Rashford all competing for one starting position. Tremendous squad management there from Manchester United. Uh, Rafa Benitez spoke about Anthony Gordon and said he is going to be an important player. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer says that he and Manchester United have the utmost respect for Leicester. They have signed well, he says. It's something you could learn from, Oli. Uh, Rafa spoke also about his frustration with the international breaks. Oli says that we've added some exciting players going forward and scored goals. It's a nice time to be an attacking player. Not playing in your team. The stodginess of how you play is baffling. And when you've signed plenty of attackers, you, you look awful going forward, Oli. So I'd settle yourself down a little bit. Uh, Rafa says it's too early to talk about January. Ollie says his focus is not on Newcastle and he hasn't really been paying attention to what's going on there. Uh, Patrick Vieira says everybody is fit and raring to go. Ezzy is fit and getting better. He was taking part in the collective. So it looks like Everici Ezzy could be back soon, which would be massive for Crystal Palace because he's a phenomenally good young player. Um... Vieira says we have to be happy for Newcastle fans, and I do agree with that. Should be happy for the fans, and it's good for the city. It's just not good for football in general to invite those kind of people into the game. But the Saudis aren't the first to be invited in, so you know it's not really aimed at them so much as the Premier League. Vieira on his Arsenal return, I'm really looking forward to it. I had the chance to play for the football club for nine years. I've, I arrived at the club as a kid and left a man. It's a club where I played my best football. It will be emotional, but I will put that to the side. It's been performing well and trying to get the points. I hope he gets a great, a great reception. He, he he's one of the greatest players to ever play for Arsenal Football Club. Um, Pep Guardiola says he cannot assure Raheem Sterling of minutes. Raheem obviously has been out this week and said that he is considering his future. So we'll wait and see where that one goes. Um, the Pep also spoke about Newcastle and said that it looks like their fans are happy and they're right to be happy. He says Ferran Torres will be out for two to three months after suffering a foot injury in the Nations League final. Uh, Ferran Torres has been one of the few real bright sparks in attack for City this year, an attack that hasn't worked outside of four games, all four of which he was the one playing as the false nine. Without him, they've looked quite poor. Uh, John Stones has missed out on selection recent weeks as Pep Guardiola has preferred Ruben Diaz and Americ Laporte. But the manager says the England defender is fighting hard. I mean, let's be let's be very clear. Ruben Diaz and Americ Laporte are just better defenders than John Stones. John Stones has had one good season in his time at Manchester United. And even that season was not nearly as spectacularly brilliant as people made it out to be. But Diaz and Laporte are the two best centre-backs there. That's the pairing Pep bought. He bought Diaz to play with Laporte, not to play with Stones. More from Steve Bruce. No discussions on my future. I'll need all my experience in this game. 
talking about trying to get them out of a relegation battle as well. He says that um, Saudi's Saudi Arabia's human rights record is for politicians and not football fans, which is a little bit ignorant. A little bit ignorant from Mr. Bruce. Um, Brendan Rodgers has said there will be some brilliant players on show when United meet Leicester this weekend. He said that the international break was a great opportunity to reflect. We need to get back to pressing and sinking together, playing dynamic football, which allows us to win games. Well, to, to Brendan's credit, it looks like he realises that their start to the season has been dreadful, so that's a positive in itself. Uh, Thomas Tuchel will be without several key players this weekend, but Romelu Lukaku will not be among them. Big Rom is ready to play. Uh, Rudiger is out. Looks like Thiago Silva will miss out. Pulisic will miss out. And Hakim Ziyech has a headache. That general, genuinely, Hakim Ziyech is out with a headache. It may be a migraine. It may be a migraine. Uh, but Big Rom is back, and that's what's the most important thing for them. Uh, Nuno has spoken about his South American contingent. They are, are traveling. They will join us tomorrow, and then we'll see. Now, obviously, they don't play till Sunday, so it does give them the extra day. Uh, Tuchel says I, he does not get in a bad mood. I'm not sure about that, Thomas. I've, I've seen you in a pretty bad mood at times uh, when you're very animated on your touchline and contemplating where to bury the next bodies. Um, Nuno says he has great respect for Steve Bruce he says Harry Kane is about more than just goals that's true, he is but this season he's op- offering absolutely nothing um, Tuchel said Newcastle will now be another contender for titles and that obviously it's a it's a natural thing and normal for people to have concerns about and that's basically what we have here folks, that is basically it so that was nice, let's Park that. Um, other bits of news that we'll get through. Pedri has signed a new contract with Barcelona with a 1 billion euro release clause. 1 billion euro. That is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. It's, that's just the type of thing you put in to get a headline. But great for Barca that they have signed him to a long-term contract. I hope he's going to get well paid because he's going to be carrying that club for a few years. Um, Mohamed Salah could become the top scoring African in Premier League history this weekend. One goal against Watford will be enough to equal the record of Didier Drogba, who has 104 Premier League goals, and two for Salah will obviously mean he goes to number one. Third on the list is Yakubu. So the list right now looks Drogba, 104. In 254 games, a goal every 169 minutes. Salah, 103 in 165 games, a goal every 129 minutes. If you take out his Chelsea stint, his record is absolutely obscene. Uh, Mane, sorry, is third. Mane has 99 um, in 236 games, 186 minutes per goal. Yakubu is next. In fifth position, fourth position. No, I've made a mess of this. So Adebayor is fourth on 97, Yakubu is fifth on 95. Sorry, that, I've made a complete hames of that. Uh, reading, not really my strong point today. Um, I suppose of, of all the news to come out today, the Newcastle stuff is obviously very interesting, but we've been over it for quite a bit this week. There's nothing new to discuss. Klopp having gripes with the FAs, not nothing new. I do find the Raheem Sterling situation at Manchester City to be very interesting. His current contract runs out in 2023, so come the summer, he'll have one year left on his deal. You'd imagine at that point he probably does move on. I'm not sure where. He says he is open to going abroad. But the issue for Raheem is, if you look around the top clubs in Europe, Bayern Munich don't need another wide player. They've got Gnabry, they've got Sané, they've got um, Kingsley Coman. Barca have no money. Real have some money but want to sign Haaland and Mbappe. None of the clubs in 
Italy really have the cash that I think City would be looking for, even if it's only around the 50, 60 million pound mark. Juventus could probably cobble it together, but they're going to have to pay for Chiesa this coming summer if they intend to to keep him. It's an obligation to buy. That, that kicks in this summer. You have to buy him this summer. So they're not going to have the money. PSG, I mean, maybe. Maybe PSG would have interest, but I'm not sure how a front three of Messi, Sterling and Neymar works, unless Sterling plays the nine, but that's not his best role. They wouldn't sell him to United. I don't think they'd sell him to Liverpool, although, you know, they did buy him from Liverpool. Um, Arsenal would be an interesting one for him. But at the same time, can Arsenal afford him? Would he want to go to Arsenal? He is from London. But I don't know if, if Arsenal would be a move that would interest him. I don't think City would sell to Chelsea. But I could really see him doing really well next to Lukaku. Like, really well next to Lukaku. I don't know that he'd have interest in Newcastle, even with all their money. So Spurs would be the interesting one. And obviously, the Kane thing still hangs in the air. I said during the summer, if I'm Spurs, I'm asking for Sterling. I'd ask for Sterling and Bernardo and a bit of cash or Sterling and Laporte or, you know, get one of those, but kick the tires on Sterling at least. Um, at the time, it was suggested he didn't have any real interest in that move. But if you could get a front three that has Sterling on the right, Son on the left and a, a really good number nine, you'd be fine without Harry Kane. You, you'd be absolutely fine without Harry Kane. As long as you put a good enough defence in place and your midfield was creative, progressive, good defensively, could press, win the ball high, turn things over, I think you'd be in really good shape. So maybe Tottenham is one to keep an eye on. Um, I really think Sterling and Son either side of a nine would be phenomenal. Really, really promising. Um, Right, we'll take a break, and when we come back, we will do our little World Cup exercise that we have from yesterday, uh, and we'll wrap up with the gossip, and we'll get done for today. See you in a minute. Right, welcome back. Before we get into the World Cup things, there's actually something I want to do regarding this weekend's games. So, looking at each of the 10 games, one question about each game. One thing I'm looking for in each game to see, you know, where each team kind of stands right now. So, first up, Watford against Liverpool. What did Watford look like under Claudio? I thought they were doing quite well under Cisco. I didn't really understand the decision to remove him and bring in Ranieri. Ranieri would not be a manager I'd ever pick to manage a team I, that, that I owned. But what will Watford look like? Will they be, will there be a big drop off? Will they tactically be similar enough? Will he have made much difference in the two weeks? Is he here just for a payday, which is something he's, he's been accused of in the past? So that's the thing to watch for in that game. Southampton versus Leeds. If Leeds win, does the pressure really start to mount on Hasenhüttl? Because if it does, and if he decides to walk away, watch for him to Newcastle. Norwich against Brighton. Can Norwich finally get a win? Seven games in, no win yet. You've got to win a game eventually. You cannot end up in a situation like Sheffield United last season. So that's the big question for me. Can Norwich get the win? Wolves against Villa. Which one of Connor Cody or Tyron Mings is going to gift the winning goal to the opposition? Manchester City. Sorry, Leicester City versus Manchester United. Big question here. Which defence will look worse? United have no Varane, no Maguire. Leicester's defence has been a train wreck all season. Which defence will look worse? Manchester City versus Burnley. Can Burnley hold City to four goals in this one? Brentford against Chelsea. How much damage can Ivan Tony do against that Chelsea defence? Because he's 
done incredibly well against Wolves, Liverpool and West Ham last three games out, all of whom are pretty good defensively. No Thiago Silva, no Antonio Rudiger. What does the Chelsea defence look like? Is it Chalaba, Christensen and Aspilicueta? If that's the defence, I think Ivan Tony's going to have himself a good old time. Everton versus West Ham, the David Moyes derby. I'm just looking forward to this one, to be honest. It's Rafa, who was Liverpool manager for a long part of Moyes' tenure at Everton, in the Everton dugout, and Moyes bringing his West Ham team up to visit. I'm looking forward to this one. I just want to see, the the thing I'm looking out for in this one is the interactions between the managers. Uh, surprised Moyes hasn't been asked about Rafa this in this press conference. Maybe he's been, maybe the, the journalists have been told not to. Newcastle versus Tottenham. Can Tottenham be party poopers? Toon are going to be having themselves a good old time. Ashley's gone. They don't care about anything else other than he's gone. All the other stuff is just icing on the cake. The cake is Mike Ashley's gone. So I, I just wonder if. If Spurs win, how does that crowd react? Do they really care at this point because Ashley's gone? Do do they come from the stands to seek the head of Steve Bruce? That's one to watch. And then Arsenal versus Palace, it is just about Vieira. I want to see that re- that reception. I want to see the entirety of the Emirates stand and applaud that man. I want to see, hear them sing his song during the game. And then I want to see him leave with a win. Uh, right, on to this uh, exercise I was given. So, um, so I wrote down eight teams, if you remember. Argentina, Brazil, France, Germany, Spain, England, Netherlands, and Uruguay. I did forget Italy at that point. When I wrote them out, I actually wrote in Italy. So I have nine. I'm going to leave out Uruguay because it is the weakest of the of the nine teams. Um, the Uruguay eleven I ended up with was uh, Muslera in goal, who's still the current keeper. Uh, Pereira right back, Caseri's left back. Diego Godin at centre back. Diego Lugano next to him. I had to play Enzo Francescoli in centre midfield. Uh, I went with Federico Valverde next to him because I genuinely think he might be the best out-and-out centre midfielder Uruguay's ever had. Uh, Alvaro Rocoba on one wing, Daniel Fonseca on the other, and then Luis Suarez and Edinson Cavani up front. That is what I have as my all-time Uruguay team. Now, bear in mind, I just haven't picked anybody who played before 1960 because I haven't been able to find any footage from before 1960 that's really worthwhile. So that's that one. Um, What I've got then is I have Argentina versus France, Brazil versus Germany, Spain versus the Netherlands and England versus Italy. That's how the um, randomizer generated the bracket for this. So what we'll do is I'll go through the two teams and let you know what I think would happen. Now, again, this is all subjective, all open to everybody's own personal opinion on the matters but uh, for Argentina you're fine for a Rolkham now to be an absolutely fantastic thing right here we go um, Philol is the goalkeeper he was the keeper in 78 Javier Zanetti at right back Marzolini Marzolini at left back arguably or Allegedly the greatest Argentinian left-back ever. Played in the 60s. Played at a couple of World Cups in the 60s. Not a whole lot of footage I've been able to find. I kind of had to go based on public opinion on him, but that's who I've got. Uh, Ruggieri, just a, an absolute stalwart. A monster in that 86 defence. And Daniel Passarella, widely regarded as the greatest Argentinian defender of all time. So that's my back, for, uh, back four. Zanetti, Ruggieri, Passarella. 
uh, Marzellini. In midfield, I've got a diamond. I've got Fernando Redondo, obviously, as the, the base. I've got Mascherano and Simeone in the engine room. And I've got Maradona as the 10. Now, doff of the cap to Juan Sebastian Verón, who's one of my all-time favourites, and Juan Roman Raquelme, who's also one of my favourites. But, I mean, who are you putting them in over? Veron can only play the holding role in the diamond, and he's not getting in over Redondo. Raquelme can only play as a 10. He's not getting in over Maradona. I've got Messi and Batistuta up front, but, I mean, Mario Kempes is deserving of a mention at least. So that's what I've got for Argentina. For England, um, maybe a controversial inclusion, but I've got Ray Clemens in goal, who I think was better than Peter Shilton. The controversial one, I think, is Trent at right back. I don't think there's ever been a better English right back. So I've got him at right back. I've got Bobby Moore and Tony Adams as the centre-backs and Ashley Cole at left back. I don't think there can really be many arguments over, over that. In midfield, I've gone four across. I've got Gerrard on the right, Gascoigne and Brooking in midfield, in the centre midfield, and John Barnes on the left. And up front, I've got Alan Shearer and Jimmy Greaves. Again, with Greaves, I've gone largely off goal-scoring numbers, but his record's phenomenal. And Alan Shearer's just pure goals. So uh, I'm with Gerrard and Barnes crossing. Shearer is scoring every single game. Now, uh, that's that battle. So next up, oh, I've made a mess of that. It was meant to be Argentina-France, wasn't it? Oh, right. France. France 11. Fabian Barthez in goal. Batistón at right back. Turam and Desailly in the middle. Lazaro Zou at left back. Uh, midfield four. Tagana, Vieira, Zidane, Platini in a box midfield. Um, Mbappe and Thierry Henry up front. I'm not sure who else you'd put in. That's what I went with. So that is bracket one. Argentina versus France. Uh, bracket two then is Brazil versus Germany. Brazil, I've got Tafarel in goal. I've got Dani Alves at right back. Roberto Carlos at left back. Marquinhos and Aldair at centre back. You could go Thiago Silva. I prefer Marquinhos. Aldair is a no-brainer. Uh, midfield two is Dunga and Falcao. Again, Brazil traditionally played a box midfield. It was a 4-4-2 where the wingers played more narrow. So I've got Garincha and Zico as the two advanced midfielders there. And I've got Pele and or nine Ronaldo up front. Uh, unfortunately, no Kaka, no Ronaldinho, no uh, Socrates, no Revelino. No Romario, no Rivaldo. There's just so many options you could go through, but you know that's what I went with in the end. Um, and then for Germany, find them. I went with the traditional German setup of a sweeper, a back four, three in midfield. Well, two in midfield, an attacking midfielder, and two up front. So I've got Oliver Kahn in goal. You could go Manuel Nauer. I prefer Khan. Uh, Matthias Sammer as the sweeper. He's just the best I've ever seen in that role. Jürgen Koller and Franz Beckenbauer as my two central defenders. Philippe Lam as the right wing back. Paul Breitner as the left wing back. Lothar Matthias and Bernd Schuster as my midfield two. Karl-Heinz Rummenigge as my attacking midfielder behind Klinsmann and Gerd Muller. Um... Quite like that team, I have to say. In fact, I may well be in love with that team. Uh, bracket three, then, is Spain against the Netherlands. So, for Spain, it's it's largely a very modern team because, well, the best Spanish team we've ever seen is, is very recent. But I've got a couple of older players in it as well. I've got Iker Casillas in goal. Went with Ramos at right back. Puyol and Hierro as my two central defenders. There was no way Ramos was making it in as a central defender in my team, but he was really good as a right-back. Albert left-back is basically the best of a bad bunch because I couldn't really think of a great Spanish left-back. 
I, I liked Sergi, but he wasn't a great player, and Alba's done more in the game than him. Uh, the midfield is the classic Spanish midfield. It's Busquets and Alonso, and then Xavi and Iniesta in that box that Del Bosque played. And up front, I've got David, David Villa and Raul as my two attackers. Uh, nod of the cap to David Silva, who was a very close. Obviously, Torres is deserving of mention, and there's many other Spanish players that were tremendous. Luis Enrique, current manager, was a great player as well. But I think that's the eleven I, I would go with. Um, the Netherlands next. Edwin van der Sar in goal. Michael Reitziger at right back. Frank de Boer at left back. Yapstam and Virgil van Dijk as the two central defenders. Uh, in midfield, I've got Rijkaard. I've got Hullet. I've got Nieskens. And then I've got Cruyff behind Van Basten and Burkham. And that is my Dutch 11. Uh, I've given you the England one, but just to recap on what that was. It was Clemens in goal, Trent at right back, Bobby Moore and Tony Adams as the centre-backs, Ashley Cole at left-back, Gerard Gascoigne, Brooking and Barnes across the middle, and then Shearer and Greaves up front. Uh, and that's their part of bracket four, where they would take on Italy. And if I can find the Italian one, it would be a great help. I think it might be the first one I wrote, actually. Yeah, so I've got Gigi Buffon in goal. Uh, defense was tough because there's just been so many great Italian defenders, but I've gone Bergami right back, Nesta and Baresi at centre back, and Maldini at left back. Uh, midfield three. This again was really tough. There's been a lot of really good Italian defenders, I'm uh, sorry, midfielders over the years, but I went with the three that I, I would like. So I've got, I've actually gone with Barella who I love, De Rossi, who is one of the greatest holding midfield players ever, and Tardelli. Uh, and then I've got Baggio behind Rossi and Riva. So Argentina against France. I think Argentina beat them because I think when you've got Messi and Maradona, you've got arguably the two greatest players of all time. You've got Redondo, Mascherano and Simeone going to do all the dog work. You're not getting through that midfield. That defence is rock solid. You've got good outlets at wing back or at full back. And then you've got Batistuta, who's a machine and a battering ram up front. I think Argentina beat France. I just think that team is slightly better than the French team. So I'm going to go Argentina advancing to the semi-final stage. Um, Brazil against Germany is really tough. Brazil, the front two is, I mean, maybe the best nine ever in or nine. Pele, a lot of people believe, is the greatest player of all time. Some people believe Garincha is the greatest player of all time. Uh, I'm not going to argue with any of it, but I do think the Germans have a bit of an advantage. I think when you've got Gerd Muller, Klinsmann and Rummenigge as goal-scoring threats, Lothar Mateus, again, is one of the best holding midfielders of all time. Zammer, Kohler and Beckenbauer in defence. I think the Germans might just... I mean, my Brazil team could be way off. That's just what I went with. But obviously, some people will have very different teams. But I think from these, I would go for Germany. You've also got to factor in as well. Like, a lot of these German players that I've picked either won a World Cup or played in a World Cup final or won a Euros. Like, I know a lot of the Brazilians did as well, but at the same time, Germany just, I don't know, there's something different about Germans. There's just something about the mentality to overcome, and they seem to love just being underdogs as well. So I'll go for the Germans. Um, Spain against Netherlands. The Spain team from 
2008 to 2012 that won three straight tournaments. It's probably the greatest international team ever. I think I've improved it by bringing in Hierro for for Piquet. Hierro is just better. And Raul for Silva, because I think Raul is better. And now Jordi Alba wasn't part of that team. He kind of came through later, and he mightn't be of the same calibre, but he's still a good player, obviously. Um, the Netherlands team, I'm not massively in love with the fullbacks. I love the midfield. I absolutely adore the midfield. And the, the attack is lethal, but I think you have to go with Spain. Van Dijk and Stam, though. How are you going to score against Van Dijk and Stam? How? We're going to toss a coin. Because I can't think of any other way to do this. So, we'll go heads to the Netherlands, tails Spain. Tails it is. Spain are through. And then England versus Italy. I really like the England team. But Italy are going to win that game. Because Italy will drag them into the deepest of deep waters with that defence. They'll be able to outwork them in midfield. And if it gets to penalties, we know what will happen. So my semi-finalists are Argentina, Germany, Spain and Italy. Click this, this randomizer again. Right, we have Argentina, Germany, and Spain, Italy. So we have a repeat of the 1990 World Cup. which obviously Germany won with the Andreas Bremer penalty. Um, again, I, I just I find it very hard to imagine you could pick against Messi and Maradona. As great as that German team is, I think you have to go with the Argies. Spain against Italy. I think it's Italy. I do think it's Italy. I just think that defence, that keeper, that Spanish team is near enough perfect, though. I do think Italy would beat them. I'm going to go Spain. I've seen that Spanish team or, or, you know, eight of that Spanish team win a lot. I'm going to go with them. Um, I do think Italy would beat Germany in the third and fourth place playoffs. So I've got Italy third, Germany fourth. That final is going to come down to Argentina versus Spain. If we go head-to-head, player-by-player, I don't know enough about Phil Old, but he you know, did win a World Cup. But I'll go Casillas as the better goalkeeper. Zanetti's the better right-back. I don't know enough about Marcelino, Marcelini at left-back, but so that's a push. Rogerian and Puyol is a push. Passarella, as great as Sierra was, Passarella was better than him. I would rather have Busquets. No, what way do we do this? Redondo or Busquets? It's go. It it's Redondo for me. It just is, and I and I'm Busquets' biggest fan. Um, Mascherano or Alonso? I'd rather have Mascherano. Simeone or Xavi is Xavi, and Maradona or Iniesta is Maradona.
it Messi obviously over Raul, Batistuta over Villa. I think Argentina wins. I think the defence would be really strong. The midfield would be so hard to break down. I think they could just run Spain off the ball. And I've got Maradona and Messi. I've got the two best players in the history of the game. So, yeah. Argentina first, Spain second, Italy third, Germany fourth. Let me know what you think. Some will disagree. Hopefully so. Um, let me know where you disagree, any of the teams you disagree on. What would your own Argentina, Brazil, France, Germany, Spain, England, Netherlands or Italy teams be? Um, yeah. Pop them in the Discord or send them on Twitter to at EPL Index. Uh, we'll wrap up with the gossip and get finished for the day. Robert Lewandowski's agent, Pini Zahivi, says Manchester City is a possible destination for the 33-year-old Polish striker next summer. Real Madrid, Newcastle, Arsenal and a return to Liverpool are among the destinations that England forward Raheem Sterling could end up after he said he was open to leaving Manchester City. Real boss Carlo Ancelotti is also interested in signing Federico Chiesa. No. They're not, they're, they're going to go all in on Haaland and Mbappe. Um, Leeds are monitoring Morocco defender Nasir Mazari, who's been linked with Arsenal and Roma. Really good right back uh, at Ajax would be a huge improvement on Luke Ayling. It's one of the weak points in the team. Uh, Ayling has struggled in the Premier League. He is, he's a good championship player, but the Premier League's a step too far. Um, he'd be a good signing for, for Leeds. Uh, Lille president Olivier Latang has revealed that Portugal midfielder Renato Sanchez will be allowed to leave if a big offer is submitted in January. How does that change what the situation was in the summer? Spain defender Cesar Azpilicueta along, has been named alongside his Chelsea teammate Andreas Christensen as players Barcelona are monitoring as potential free agents next summer. Well, Christensen's in the process of signing a new deal. I'd imagine Aspilicueta sticks around. Barca should not sign Aspilicueta. At, at 32, he'll be 33 next season. You really don't want to be wasting more money on old players. It's time to rebuild. West Ham and Tottenham have been linked with Sedetian's English goalkeeper, Etienne Green. Don't know anything about him, if I'm being completely honest. Um, Born to an English father and French mother, he moved to France at the age of four. Oh, he's been in the under-21 squad. Oh, he was in the recent England under-21 squad. Uh, shows how much attention I paid. Oh, that's interesting. England have been desperately crying out for um, good young keepers. So, hopefully, hopefully he's the one. Um, Very cool that his name is Etienne and he ended up playing for St. Etienne having been born in Colchester. Um, anyway, former Chelsea boss Frank Lampard is one of the names on Newcastle shortlist. I will bet that he's not. I will guarantee that he's not. Because he's dreadful. Newcastle have made contact with the representatives of Nabil Fakir. He'd be, a, he'd be the type of signing I'd expect him to make. Um, Jesse Lingard is prepared to leave Manchester United in January. Both Barcelona and AC Milan have been linked with him. You think his agents put that story in the paper? Liverpool have expressed an interest in signing uh, Leeds and Brazil winger Rafinha, according to his agent, which, you know, puts all the nonsense that Klopp was happy with the squad firmly in the bin. Um, Sevilla hold the advantage over Spanish rivals Atletico Madrid in the race to sign Alex Lacazette, because of the Gunners' interest in Yusuf N. Naziri. Is there a race to sign Alex Lacazette? Is it a race or is it a dawdle? Is it a slow-moving crest? Um, Arsenal boss Mikel Arteta has a wish list that includes Tariq Lamptey, James Justin and Max Ahrens, which would suggest, if there's any truth to that, that he wants to move to a back three. And play Tamiyasu as a right-sided centre-back, which is probably his best position. With Gabriel as the left-sided and Ben White as the middle. Did anyone see the interview with Ben White where he says he doesn't watch football and has never watched football? That's weird. That's really, really weird. Um, 
So how are you improving yourself? Who are you measuring yourself against? Or are you just that arrogant that you believe you're actually a good defender when, well, all the evidence suggests you're not? Um, it's neither here nor there. Anyway, if I'm buying off that list, I'm buying Max Ahrens as a wing-back. Ahrens is better than Lamptey, in my view. He's also more durable. Justin is the best on the on the list, but he's not really a wing-back. He's more a full-back. In the back three, he's probably a centre-back. Uh, Karim Benzema says he hopes to play alongside Kylian Mbappe someday. You think that might be next season? Fenerbahce are looking to make a move for Ryan Sessegnon. Say no, Mr. Sessegnon. Do not go that far afield. Tottenham are the latest Premier League club to show interest in Harry Souter, Souter, whatever, from Stoke. Um, yeah, great. Arsenal have no, no plans of allowing Gabriel Martinelli to leave on loan. He needs to do something. I don't know if he's injured at the moment or what the situation is, but that, that kid needs to play. He's really, really special. Really, really special. He's not injured. Arteta has said, this is from a day ago, he's happy with him. There will be no loan move. Oh, they're trying to get him through a period of fitness because he's had so many injuries that have kind of hampered him. So they want him to kind of retain fitness for quite a while. Um, super talented. Super talented. Maybe right there with Saka and Martinelli as, not Martinelli, Saka and Smith Rowe uh, as the kind of the big prospects right now with, with young Patino coming through behind. Um, but yeah, I, I do really like him. Uh, Newcastle's owners plan to look to Germany in an attempt to mirror the success of Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel. What? Chelsea's Germany striker Timo Werner is a top target along with Nicolas Sula and Philippe Coutinho. Do they, are they looking to Germany for a manager or are they looking to Germany for players? Because Liverpool haven't really bought many players from Germany. Matip, Keita, Klavan, I suppose. Karius. Is that it? Four? In six years? Oh, and Kanata as well, obviously. Oh, and Bobby. So, yeah, to be fair, six in six years. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Um, not sure buying players from Germany has really been the key to their success, though, for Chelsea either. I know Havertz scored that goal in the final, but he hasn't played well. Neither is Werner, so it is what it is. Um, the Magpies have contacted the representatives of Wesley Fofana about the possibility of a move. So Wesley Fofana's agent is, hung, is hankering for a new contract for his player. That's what we can figure out there. Barcelona are keen to offload Coutinho, and Liverpool are open to bringing him back. No, they're not. Adrian Rabio has been linked to the move to Newcastle. Adrian Rabio just needs to go and get himself vaccinated and then tell his mother to just stay out of his business and not be involved in his career anymore because his career is going down the toilet because of her involvement. Um, Paris Saint-Germain boss Mauricio Pochettino says the club will do everything possible to keep Mbappe. There's nothing really he can do. If he's decided he's leaving, he's out of contract in the summer. Uh, AC Milan and Barcelona are leading... No, they're not. Uh, Monaco have put a 60 million euro price tag on Chiumeni. No, they haven't. They clearly haven't. They were open to selling him for 40 million euro in the summer. So, nonsense. Uh, Brendan Rodgers is Newcastle's top target if the club owners decide to sack Steve Bruce. That's from, um, what's his name? Not, not the spoofer, the, the original spoofer, uh, DiMarzio. Nonsense. Uh, Fox's boss, Rodgers, is totally committed. To Leicester. We went over this yesterday. I mean, Swansea, Celtic, Watford, they'll all tell you he was totally committed until the big bag of money appeared. Uh, Luis Campos is one of a number of candidates being considered for a sporting director role. I think that would be a very good appointment. Real Madrid are interested in signing Antonio Rudiger, only because he's on a free. Uh, Phil Foden is set to sign a new contract worth nearly 50 million, uh, six year deal at 150 grand a week. Do it. Absolutely do it. Make sure he never leaves your club. Uh, Arsenal are preparing a £30 million bid for Noah Lang. Noah Lang was linked with Newcastle in the summer, for, or with Leeds in the summer, 
for like 15 million. Uh, he gets capped once, maybe, maybe twice. And now he's worth 30 million. Okay. Yeah. Twice he's been capped. Uh, I don't see that really as being how things work. Um, the great season last year, 17 goals in 37 games, but it is Belgium. He's done okay this season as well, but it's Belgium. It's not as if he's doing it at the highest level. Um, 30 million would be too much. Manchester United could revive efforts to sign Jules Kunde. No, they won't. Did you stop linking United to centre backs? They've just signed Varane. They spent 80 million on Maguire and they're going to give him a new contract. They're not going to buy another centre back, especially not a 75 million pound centre back like Jules Kunde. Um, Borussia Dortmund and Germany defender Mats Hummels has warned Erling Haaland he may not find the grass greener. He'll be fine wherever he goes. Paris Saint-Germain could make a move for Dusan Vlahovic as a replacement for Mbappe. It makes everybody's interest in him, to be fair. And Atletico Madrid boss Diego Simeone attempted to sign Lionel Messi in the summer and has detailed how he tasked Luis Suarez with sounding out his form. Imagine if he'd gone there. That would have been just the ultimate two fingers to Barca. But I think Messi had too much respect for the club to do that. We will leave it there, folks. That is me for the week. Uh, apologies for the late show and the rambly nature. Um, it's just been a strange day. I will speak to you all on Monday. Enjoy your weekends. Don't do anything too foolish. Podcast Network.